Amen. All right, Christmas, Christmas. How many guys are excited about Christmas this year, huh? Anybody? A couple of you? Praise God, all three of you. That's right. Uh, just a few more days away. Who's counting? We all are. Okay, but that's right. But Christmas is a great time of excitement, right? At least for a couple days or something, a day or something. And, and believe it or not, it is so exciting. The deacons, I know, once again, can't even contain their joy. They're totally into it, man. I got proof. Let's take a look. Yeah, give it up for the deacons, man. Woo! Man, how many of you guys want some of those magic beans that Don has? You know what I'm saying? That's right. Hopefully they're legal, but we won't go there. But that's right. But as you guys all know, hey, we've, we've got some uh, uh, new up-and-coming uh, leadership here at Sunrise. They're called interns. Give it up for the interns. That's right. And uh, believe it or not, i got a good source. They, too, are extremely excited about Christmas, and they decided to step it up a notch, though. You know what I'm saying? Uh, not to get into a battle of bands with the deacons, but I guess we will. Let's take a look at how excited they are. Let's let's take a look at this one. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh, all the fields we go, laughing all the way. Welcome up to ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to laugh and sing the sleigh song tonight. are going to town, right on. I, I guess the uh, headbanger days I used to have has an influence on them, but uh, we won't go there. But uh, Christmas is an exciting time, right? Everybody's getting into it, man. Deacons, everybody, and hopefully you are too. And, and it seems it's such an exciting time. We say the same single thing every year. We say, man, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could, we could have that great Christmas excitement all year round, right? You ever say that, think that, right? Well, folks, believe it or not, I got a good Christmas present for you. You really can. 
You really can have that exciting uh, Christmas excitement all year round. You just got to get back to the true wonder of Christmas. The true wonder of Christmas, what it's really all about. You see, believe it or not, folks, Christmas, contrary to popular belief, it's not just another day at the office where you do all the work and some big guy in a colored suit gets all the credit. Santa Claus. That's right, Santa Claus. You ever said that? Yeah, yeah. And, and believe it or not, it's not just about sitting around a, a, a dead tree eating stale candy out of this giant sock. Okay? And believe it or not, Christmas is not at all about what this guy's singing about, even if he is from Vegas. Let's take a look at this. Hi, I'm Louis Favreau, world-famous Las Vegas lounge singer. Over the years, I've learned a lot about Christmas. And not that mushy Christmas you see in the movies. I'm talking about the real Christmas. And it's all right here, in my new album, Christmas for Reals. You better bring ham, you better bring pie. Wear stretchy pants, I'm telling you why. Gluttony is coming to town. Oh yeah, baby, I changed the words. Louis is keeping Christmas real. Just bring your Amex Visa MasterCard discovered today. Let's go and get forever buying stuff that people will hate. Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up, let's go. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree. Please don't burn my house down. Order today and get two albums or eight-track cassettes. Filled with Christmas songs that tell it the way it is. Stuff my face with lots of turkey. Ba la 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 la. It's so dry it tastes like jerky. <laughs> so glad I don't live in Parumpumpum. Oh yeah, I went there, and I also go here. Chipmunks roasting. Honey and open fire. Mmm, so tasty. You think it, I sing it, go buy it! I'll even throw in this bonus track from South of the Border. She thinks I'm a slob. She says I'm a blob. She thinks I'm a slob, cause I play my Wii and don't want a job. This holiday season, stuff your stockings with a real gift. Louis Favreau's Christmas for Reals. <laughs> I like the Deacon's version better. But, uh, hey, folks, I know, I hope this is not a, a rough, uh, difficult question, but how many guys realize that that's not, that's not Christmas for Reals? You know what I'm saying? It's a lot better than that. But the reason why that's so funny is because, if we're honest, folks, that's how most people in our world view Christmas, right? Uh, it's just about eating tons of food, hopefully not too dry. You get tons of presents, hopefully, and somehow you avoid pa-rump, pa-rump, pa-rump. Okay, Jesus is nowhere to be found, okay, is how it usually goes. And, and the sad news is, if we're honest, sometimes we Christians can get caught up in that, uh, even though we know better, okay? We celebrate Christmas for all the wrong reasons. And so, listen, we not only miss out on that special excitement on that day, we miss out on that special excitement all year round. And it's true, folks, you can really have it, okay? So in order to remind us here at Sunrise of the true wonder of uh, Christmas and discover how we can have that excitement all year round, uh, that's what I want to talk about. And believe it or not, the Bible actually tells us how you and I can have this great time of excitement over the birth of Jesus Christ. 
Every single day. We just got to get back to the true wonder of Christmas. But again, uh, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And if you find Jeremiah, what do you do? Take a left. That's right. And uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Let's take a look at uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. You know what Christmas is supposed to be about. Okay, and why is it so exciting? And not just for a day, but for the rest of your life, your time on earth, okay? Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 here, and we're going to grab the context uh, of a passage that's typically just pulled out, and that's okay, Uh, but let's grab the context of what makes it so exciting, okay? Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, when you get there, say moo. There you go. How about Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. All right, let's start. Nevertheless, he says, there will be no more gloom. Anybody excited about that? There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he, God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he, God, will honor uh, Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Now, of course, if you don't realize, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Messiah, okay? Uh, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for fire when oh when is this gonna happen how now I'll read this verse here's how for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the what government keyword there and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace and the increase of his government and peace <laughs> there will be no end he will reign on david's throne and over his kingdom everlasting and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever listen the zeal of the lord almighty will accomplish this in other words folks this is in god's hand God is the one who's going to be doing this. He's going to make sure it happens, and nobody can stop it. Anybody glad about that? Okay, but Isaiah here in the context is reminding us of what makes Christmas, i.e., the birth of Jesus, so absolutely exciting. He says because of that, he says one day there is something wonderful coming to this planet beyond your wildest dreams because Jesus Christ was born into this world. And when he comes, he is going to turn our gloom into joy, our darkness into light. He's going to set us free from burdens, oppression, and all of our battles. And how many guys would say, that's kind of exciting. Okay, that's what's coming with the birth of Jesus. When a child is born to us, he says, when a son is given to us, this is starting to unfold. Okay, and again, that's what Christmas is supposed to be about, the birth of Jesus Christ, right? Okay, now when it comes to the birth of Jesus Christ, Uh, We usually get the fact that, yeah, Jesus was born in this world as a child, as a baby, but to grow up to be a man, uh, to die on the cross for the sins of mankind. We usually get that, that Jesus has come, he was born in this world, his birth was so that one day we could have the forgiveness of sin. We usually get that, right? But folks, you've got to grab the context. There's a double blessing going on here. Okay, there's a double blessing going on here. Christmas, if, if you will, Jesus' birth, Isaiah says, isn't just listen about the forgiveness of sin. And again, don't get me wrong. That's awesome. Anybody glad that all of your sins, every single one, past, present, future, even the ones you don't even know about, are all gone forever? 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So, but Isaiah is saying it's not just the forgiveness of sins. He says it's about, listen, being a part of the millennial kingdom. This is mind-blowing. This is the true wonder of Christmas, okay? Again, forgiveness of sin is awesome, but, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Isaiah, he begins to immediately, after he announces that, yeah, he's going to turn your gloom into joy, darkness into light, then he goes into the, here he is, he's born to this world, bang, then he starts talking about the millennial kingdom. See, that's what we miss. There's more to, if you will, the fullness of salvation that we don't remember, and so we don't get that excitement. But if you keep this in mind, man, it lasts all year long. Okay, and Isaiah begins to break it down for us why we should be so excited every single day of the year with the birth of Jesus Christ. And the first way he says, he says, when Jesus comes, this this child, this son that's given to us, he is the wonderful counselor. When Jesus comes, he's born to this world. When he sets up his kingdom, he is going to be the wonderful counselor. Let's start tearing apart that passage. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the what? government will be on his shoulders and he will be called who wonderful counselor is what he says there now the key word there in this passage is government and this is specifically talking about the government that jesus christ is going to be in charge of during the millennial kingdom at the end of the seven-year tribulation when jesus christ comes back and his second coming he is going to set up his government on this planet that's what he says he's going to be in charge of the government the government will be on whose shoulders Jesus, that's what he's talking about here. And and, and this is wild. Jesus, listen to this. This is what Isaiah's telling us. He's going to be in charge of the government. Right? And it's usually kind of a weird concept for us to get as Christians. we'll, We'll think of Jesus as the Lamb of God who was slain on the cross for our sins, right? And that's good. We'll think of Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah who battles and defeats our enemies. And that's good. That's great. But Isaiah is saying that Jesus is also coming to be a divine political ruler. Jesus is in charge of the government. It's going to be on his shoulders. And I think the reason why we don't think of Jesus as a political ruler, as Isaiah says here, is because, let's be honest, politics and the government get a bad rap. And rightly so. Okay, as we've seen many times before, politics come from two words, poly meaning many, ticks, blood-sucking creatures. Okay, we also know that if all the politicians around the world were lined up, as one guy says, around the equator, over the ocean, all the politicians, the world would be much better off. We all know that if uh, pro uh, is the opposite of con, then the opposite of progress is Congress. Right? And we also know that if nobody can fix the economy and nobody can be trusted with their finger on the button and, and nobody's perfect, then next time maybe we should vote for nobody. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Seriously, folks, politics, the government, it gets a bad rap because it's so messed up, unfortunately. Right? They don't always do a good job. In fact, frankly, a lot of times they don't do a good job. But this is what's going on here. Think of Jesus. He is the political rule. He is going to be in charge of the government. It might be weird for us. But this is what he's saying, okay? Jesus, when he runs the government, it is going to be wonderful. The word that he uses here is the Hebrew word pele. Let's say that. Pele, Pele, okay? And it means wonderful. It means astonishing. It means extraordinary. Literally, it means marvelous. This is such a hard thing for us to grasp because of the bad examples we see today. He says, Isaiah says, when Jesus is in charge of the government of the whole planet, It's going to be the most wonderful, astounding, extraordinary government you could ever imagine. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the wonderful counselor. 
So he's the one making the decisions. And as the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, unlike politicians today, he only tells the truth. Only. And he only does that which is best for the people. He doesn't lie. No more at this time will you and I ever hear this from the government. Phrases like this. Read my lips. No new taxes. You can repeat after me. Liar. Okay. You'll never hear this one. I am not a crook. Liar. Okay. Hey, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Liar. Okay. You'll never even hear this one. Hey, the fundamentals of the economy are strong. Liar. Liar. And believe it or not, no more will you hear Bob Hope say statements like this. Watch this. You live here? Yes. Well, maybe you know what a zombie is. When a person dies and is buried, it seems there's certain voodoo priests who, who have the power to bring him back to life. How horrible. It's worse than horrible because a zombie has no will of his own. You see them sometimes walking around blindly with dead eyes, following orders, not knowing what they do, not caring. You mean like Democrats? Oh, my goodness. Did he just say that? What? Now, don't get distracted. Don't miss the point. <laughs> Democrats, Republicans, it doesn't matter. When Jesus is ruling and reigning on this planet, it's going to be awesome. It's awesome. He's the wonderful counselor, the ultimate politician. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He, nobody can bribe him. You can't lobby against him. You can't get him to do anything wrong. All he does all the time, every single time, is that which is right and best for the people always. That's the government that's coming. Okay, it's on his shoulders, which means there's, think of these things we'll never experience. And this is what Isaiah is telling us because of the birth of Christ, the meaning of Christmas, right? He says that means there's not going to be any more elections, no more election campaigns, no more voting, no more hanging chads, no more rigged machines, no more mud-slinging political ads, no more government oppression. Nobody runs against them. Nobody can match them. And all this new world order stuff that we're seeing unfold before our very eyes is going to be folded up just like that when Jesus Christ comes back. The government is going to be on his shoulders. Yes, it's about forgiveness of sins, but Jesus is coming back. And the government on this planet, it's going to be awesome. That's the true wonder of Christmas. That's what Isaiah is reminding us about. You keep thinking about that, and I'd say it lasts a lot longer than just one day. Right? But he's just getting cranked up, okay? Uh, he's telling us that a child was born for us, a son was given to us, and because of that, now we see that Jesus is the mighty God. Okay, wonderful counsel, yes, but also the mighty God. Let's go back to that text, tear it apart again. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government whoo, will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor and what? Mighty God. Not just God, he's the mighty God. Okay, now the term here in the Hebrew for mighty God is two Hebrew words. Listen to this, this is cool. It's a guy term. Uh, it's made of gabor. And uh, El. Now, Gabor means this strong, mighty, brave. Listen, in the Hebrew, it literally means warrior hero. That's Jesus. Warrior hero. When all was lost and it seemed like the battle was. Here he comes, the warrior hero. That's what's used here in the Hebrew. It's awesome. Now, of course, El 
is the Hebrew word for God, as in El Ohim or El Shaddai, speaking of Almighty God. So you put all this together, and here's what Isaiah is saying. When Jesus comes back, because of his birth, you know, the true meaning of Christmas, when he comes back, it's, he's not only going to give us the best, incredible, mind-blowing, extraordinary, marvelous government, wonderful counsel we could ever imagine, but listen, he is Almighty God. He's the Mighty God. And think of what that means. Put it back in the political context, the governmental context. The government's on his shoulders. Listen, that means that Jesus will have the ability to do whatever needs to be done. No questions asked. He is not limited. He is the mighty God. Okay, now think about that. Because today, you and I might get to have a decent ruler here and there once in a while. You know, it was back in the 1800s, I think it was. No, but you know, once in a while, right? But, but here's the problem. Okay, they, don't, they lack the power to pull it off, right? They might come in with a great, godly, uh, wonderful agenda that is right for the people, but they don't have the ability to get things done. They don't have the power to pull it off, but not Jesus. He is the mighty God. He gets everything done the right way every single time. No resistance, no problems whatsoever. He's got all the power of the universe at his fingertips. He made the universe. Jesus can do and institute anything for the best of the people on the whole planet at any time, anything he wants in the whole world. Hello, he made the world. He is not limited in his ability. What is impossible with man is possible with God. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. He walks on water. He calms the storm. He makes a way when there is no way. Why? Because Jesus Christ is not just a wonderful counselor. He is the almighty God. He can supply any need, make any provision, do anything he wants, anytime, anyway, every single time for anybody he wants, as much as he wants. He is not limited. In fact, he gives us tastes of what he can do still even today. This is a true story. It's a missionary report that I had received back in the day. This really happened. Guy says this. He, he's writing to the congregation supporting him. He says, two days ago, I took a team of medical personnel to the village of Maize, about a 20-minute drive from Pimba in Mozambique, Africa. And as you know from our reports, I've been doing this for the past four or five months. The Maize Church is headed by Pastor Juma, a joyful brother who's planted about 30 churches in the area, and our makeshift clinic was in a slightly shaded area alongside the church building there. And as usual, dozens of adults and about 70 or more kids gathered, and many seeking medical attention. Others were socializing. The children were playing on the recently constructed playground there in the attached picture, he says. And after a couple of hours in the heat and the dust, I gave Pastor Juma some money to send an older boy to the market to buy some biscuits and some powdered juice as a, listen, you should be grateful, a rare treat for these impoverished and malnourished children. Well, when the drink appeared, uh, Juma, Pastor Juma instructed the children in their Makua tongue to form two uh, long lines to receive their biscuits and then proceed over towards the playground and get a single cup of juice. He, he then began to pray in exuberant thanksgiving for this gift and the, the children joined in loudly and enthusiastically and and the two bags of biscuits were dumped into this clear plastic bag, and Pastor J- Juma was about to begin distributing them. But then he asked me what we should do. Should we give two or three biscuits to each child? And I looked over at the bag and, and then at the two long lines, and I imagined how disappointing it would be if the biscuits ran out uh, before the children at the end got any. So I said, just give them two. And he nodded in agreement. I was only a few feet away, and observing the various medical stations and answering questions, and I was watching the kids scamper happily towards the 
playground clutching their two biscuits. And, and then I looked over and I noticed that the bag of biscuits was still very full. This is an actual report. Pastor Juma took, noticed my look and he raised his hands in a gesture of surprise. And, and then he began giving three biscuits to each child. A few minutes later, I looked again, and the bag was still full, and we both began to grin. Our God was doing something marvelous before our very eyes. The kids who had quietly taken their place at the back of the line, they were rewarded with handfuls of biscuit, and the bag was still full. Juma gave more biscuits to every child in sight, and then he went around to several dozen adults and gave them large handfuls of biscuits, and when we couldn't find anyone else to give biscuits to, Pastor Juma held up the bag, and it was still as full as it was at the beginning. And we both praise God for his miraculous provision and love for the least of these. Our God is not just God. He's the almighty God. He can do whatever he wants to do. He is a God of miracles and he still does them today. And this is what Isaiah is telling us because Jesus was born. Yes, it's about forgiveness of sin. But man, when it comes to provision, he, and he takes charge of this planet, it's going to be this kind of miraculous provision. Listen, all the time. Not just some isolated missionary report all the time. Why? Because Jesus is the mighty God. Listen, in the millennial kingdom, the Bible is clear. There is not going to be any lack, no shortage, no hunger, no class warfare, no keeping up with the Joneses. Everybody's got plenty. You've got more than you need. The Bible says there's going to be fullness of joy, total comfort, total protection, no more sickness, no more shortness of life. And listen, turn to somebody and say, I'm going to be a billionaire. See, you think I'm kidding. One researcher did the math on this. And you couple this with the scripture and what God's going to do and how liberal he is going to be with the riches of this earth. Listen to this. He said this. Some who studied the riches of the earth estimate the combined value of the gold, silver, grain, oil, timber, fish, fruit, minerals, etc. is calculated to be one decillion dollars. Now, he says this figure, of course, is beyond our comprehension. So slowly repeated, it is million, billion, trillion, quadrillion, quintillion, sextillion, septillion, octillion, novillion, decillion. That's the decillion. He said, taking pen to paper, he divided the earth's population into this figure. Listen, and he saw that if such wealth was shared, there's enough wealth on the planet so that everybody on the planet could be, quote, a billionaire. Now, can I tell you something, folks? When you read your Bible and you understand the characteristics of the millennial kingdom, God is going to share that wealth. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Which means, turn to somebody and say it again this time, I really am going to be a billionaire, right? That's awesome. Think of the baloney we're not going to see today. Hey, get this one. With all due respect, that means there's not going to be any more Bill Gates. No more Rockefellers. No more Warren Buffetts. I.e., no more having the bulk of the money on the planet in the hands of an isolated few. Read the scripture about the millennial kingdom. It's going to be bountiful. It's going to be equitable uh, distribution of wealth for everybody on the planet, for all God's children. No wonder Isaiah is reminding us of this. Man, when Jesus comes back, the government is on his shoulders, but he is almighty God. We're going to have everything we could ever think of, ever need in abundance. Why? Because a child was born for us. A son was given to us. Yes, it's about the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. But it's about being under his kingdom. The government's on his shoulders. It's about being on the planet with Jesus again. 
in radically different conditions. Isn't that exciting? That's the true wonder of Christmas. But he gets going, man. He goes even more. The third way he reminds us the true wonder of Christmas. Now he says Jesus is what? The everlasting Father. Now think about the context of this. This is wild. Go back to the text, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 this time. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and what? Everlasting Father. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. How long? And forever. Okay? Now, what's he saying? I mean, it's not like you just get to be a billionaire for a day. What's he saying? He's saying once it starts, it ain't going to end. The term here, everlasting father, two Hebrew words, ad ab. Let's say that. Okay, that sounds like a turkey, Bobby. Nice try there. Uh, Ab, okay, it means father, okay, chief or ruler. Uh, Ad means perpetual, continuous, continuing on to the future. So you put all this together, here's what you get. During this time, yes, it's about forgiveness of sins, but we're going to the millennial kingdom. And Jesus is not only the wonderful counselor, it's the most amazing, marvelous government you could ever imagine. He's the almighty, great God. He can supply any need. We're going to have more than we can need in abundance, but he's also going to do this forever. He reigns forever. Once he takes the throne, he's not getting off. And think of what this means. Again, put it back in the contextual context of today, politics, government, okay? This means that, yeah, we might have some faithful government leaders, politicians who do do some good, right? Once in a while, and we get a little spark of hope. But what happens? They get kicked out of office, right? They lose the election, so you get some huckster that replaces them and starts all over again, right? Or they die. But listen, not Jesus. <laughs> man, once he takes office, he's there for good, man. Nobody's pushing him out. And listen, he's not going to die. And listen, we not only get to be a part of that environment I just described in those first two aspects. Billionaires, the government, it's awesome. Listen, we not only get to be a part. He guarantees you're going to get there. Now that should thrill us. Anybody glad that when you become a Christian, you will go to the millennial kingdom? You're not going to miss out on it. He's the eternal father. It's called an eternal inheritance. Let's take a look at some of that proof. Are we going to make it there? Somehow we're going to miss the boat or fall off or get rejected? No. This, he's the everlasting father. John 5, 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life and you will not be condemned. You've crossed over from death to life. John six thirty seven. All that the father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. You're going to the millennium. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to make it to the millennium, okay? If you're going to get there, okay? Romans 8, 35, 38, and 9. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything else in all creation, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're going to get there. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1.8. He, God, will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 21-22. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. What? Guaranteed wants to come. You're going to get there, folks. For Ephesians 1.14, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he promised and that he's purchased us to be a people of his own. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Can anybody give him praise? 
Right? Once you're headed there, you're going to get there. And he's just getting cranked up. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 2 Timothy 4, 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely where? Into his heavenly kingdom. Hebrews 7, 25, therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Hebrews 9, 12, he, Jesus, did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews 9, 15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised, what? Eternal inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, he, God, has given us new birth into a living hope into what millennial kingdom and inheritance what can never perish never spoil never fade it's kept in heaven for you who's going to get up there and rip it off nobody it's secure and that's why john says this first john 5 30 i write these things to you it's there in the scripture this is awesome news if we just take it to heart that those who believe in the name of the son of god may know that you have eternal life you don't have to doubt you don't have to wonder you don't have to worry once you're headed there by the grace of god by the blood of jesus christ you're getting there that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know in the context. I really am going to be a billionaire. After all I've done, even as a Christian, how many times have I blown it? He's the everlasting father. It's an eternal inheritance. It's kept in heaven. It's safe and secure. What? Nobody's going to snatch it away. Oh, the wonder of the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying, guys. You keep that in mind. I got a theory and it goes like this. You're not only excited in about four days. You're excited every day. The true wonder of Christmas. One more to go and we'll close. It's all because a child was born for us, a son was given to us. The true wonder of Christmas. The fourth way, Isaiah reminds us. Now he throws icing on the cake, man. This is awesome. Now he says, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. This is wild. Okay, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 6 and 7 again says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, not just his government, his what? His peace, there will be no end. Okay? And, and when Jesus starts to rule, there's not only going to be no end of his government, listen, but there's not going to be any end of his peace that he distributes to the whole planet. Why? Because he's not just peace. He is the prince of peace. Prince comes from the Hebrew word sar, which means ruler of rulers, chief, official, captain, or prince. Shalom is the Hebrew word there for peace. Listen to what that means. Complete. Think about your week. Think about your year. Think about this morning when you as a husband and wife had that intense moment of fellowship. Here's your existence in the millennial kingdom. Complete soundness, complete safety, total contentment, total tranquility. It just calms you saying it. How many guys would like to have some of that? How many guys would like to have that every single day? Can I tell you what Isaiah is telling us? That's the true wonder of Christmas. Don't you get it? That's going to be our existence in the millennial kingdom. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. 
which means he's the one who's going to be dispensing it. Which, listen, he doesn't run out. He has no lack of this. He can give this kind of peace to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however much he wants, at all times. What, what, what is it? Complete soundness, total safety, total contentment, and total tranquility. All the time. Now think of what that means. Let's break it down. That means no more worry, no more anxiety, no more stress, no more high blood pressure, no more freaking out of uh, of anything ever, no more wars, no more torment, no more suffering, no more fighting, no more bombs, no more terrorists, no more threats, no more military invasions. It's all gone. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And when he wants peace on this planet, it's going to be peaceful. It's going to be mind-blowing. In fact, he's even going to extend this peace to the animal kingdom. Let's remind ourselves two chapters later what he says. This is, this is wild, okay? Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. The wolf will live with the lamb during the millennial kingdom. It's what he's talking about. Two chapters later, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and what? A little child, my son Billy. Woo! And he's not running away. He's leading him. Come on, guys. Supper's over here. This isn't make-believe, folks. This is what, what's happening, okay? This is what Jesus is doing when he comes back. The millennial kingdom is very clear, folks. Jesus is coming back. He's going to set up shop. He's going to run the government. He's going to have this amazing provision. Is it this, it, it, you're guaranteed to get there. Once he's in there, he ain't getting out. Woohoo! And he's going to be a priest to our hearts. And everything around us, including the animals. Even at this time, listen, all wild animals are going to be tamed. The leopard will be tamed as a goat. My son, our children, grandchildren will be completely safe. We won't have to say, oh, I trust you, and install a webcam secretly somewhere. They're completely safe playing around lions and snakes and wolves. Can you imagine that? I thought the billionaire thing was cool. (laughs) Can you imagine that? In fact... I think sometime God gives us a little sneak peek of what he has in store every day with every animal of his kingdom for those who come to him. Let's take a look at some of that evidence. It's not exactly the partner you'd expect a primate to fall for, but an unusual love story has been forced between Surya, the six-year-old orangutan, and a stray hound dog named Roscoe. For these logic-defying friends, it's all hugs and cuddles since the day they met three years ago when Surya spotted the dog from high atop an elephant while on a ride with his trainers at this South Carolina animal park. To me, they seem like long-lost friends. This other, more whimsical partnership between predator and prey has been seen on YouTube some five million times. A cat and a bird that shouldn't get along playing hide-and-seek, even wrestling. Two of nature's enemies frolicking like fast friends. From the hippo and the tortoise who sidle up next to each other, so many of these relationships are hard to explain. How's this for a unique animal friendship? 350-pound lion Bone Digger is best friends with a fearless seven-year-old dash hound dog named Milo. They may seem like unlikely friends, but Jericho the horse is perfectly happy to let this baboon lays on his back while they both soak up the sun. It may look like this dog's days are over, as a jaguar appears to go in for the kill. But things aren't always what they seem. In fact, this unusual pair are actually best friends. These two struck it off straight away. And now this feline-canine combo are inseparable. They don't leave each other, they feed together, sleep together, do everything together. 24 hours a day, they haven't been separated 
at all. They are like brothers. Sean Ellis from Devon in England has integrated himself into a pack of wild wolves. The pack itself began when the wolves in particular um, were only a few days of age. I still consider myself to be part of that family. Okay, got the pile, okay. Like millions of people around the world, Mark Dumas loves nothing more than to take a morning swim. But for him, there is a rather massive difference as Mark swims with a polar bear. Having pet cats may sound run-of-the-mill, but Janice Haley has taken her love of felines to the extreme, keeping two huge tigers in her back garden. Sabre, a 600-pound male white Bengal, and Janda, a 400-pound Bengal female, have lived with Janice since they were cubs. With their ability to crunch through human bone in a single bite, getting up close and personal with a 1,300-pound grizzly bear is not for the faint-hearted. But for 71-year-old Doug Zeus, coming face-to-face -face with the fearsome predators is all in a day's work. Start up. Good. That's good. Up. Good. This pairing, researchers say, is one of the strangest animal bonds ever seen. A lioness who, instead of eating her dinner, adopts it. I think many people felt that this was, you know, it had to be a message from God. Um, this was a miracle. This was, you know, the lion and the lamb laying down together. Where have we heard that before? Interesting. Except it's the wolf and the lamb. Folks, I really believe that sometimes God gives us a taste of what's to come and what's available to every person he's ever made. But you got to receive it. It's a gift. He's done it all. But just like a gift for Christmas, they could sit there on that table under that tree or whatever, wherever, and you could stare at it but you don't get the benefit of the gift until you what? You reach out and receive it. And this is what Isaiah is saying. Folks, this is true. Can you imagine, not an isolated occurrence, anybody want to swim with that polar bear? Anybody want to see John Gibson stick his head in a bear's mouth? Yeah, John, next week, what do you think? I will right, wait till the Millennial Kingdom. It'll be safer. Folks, that is really what's going to happen to the planet. I'm not making it up. Listen, that means one day, we joke about this, but it's true. One day, if you want it, you could have a pet tiger or two. Throw in a lion, leopard, elephant, whatever you want. One day, an orangutan can hang out with your dog in the backyard, be best friends. One day, a cheetah uh, could be best buds with your Jack Russell or Don Russell, whoever you want, right? Okay. Uh, the, the earth is really going to be like this. John really could stick his head in that bear. This is the true wonder of Christmas. This is the context of what he's saying. Why? How is this all possible? Why? I can't believe it. Because a child was born for us. A son was given to us. That's amazing. God gave us that gift when we didn't want to have anything to do with it. What more is it going to take?
to receive it from him. This is the true one of Christ. And this is why I am fully convinced, not trying to rain on anybody's parade, not getting overly legalistic, whatever. But when you understand the fullness of what's going on here, of the birth of Jesus Christ, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when you come across a counterfeit message that robs people of this amazing truth that is not make-believe, but is real, you kind of react a little bit, I'd say, like this guy does. Let's take a look at this. Merry Xmas, little girl. Merry Xmas. Oh, ho, ho. It may appear unorthodox, but the results are staggering. Merry Xmas. Why do I want to be the Christmas linebacker? Well, let me put it to you this way. You see, I'm here to put the Christ into Christmas. Let me hear you say Jesus. Jesus! Now don't mess with the linebacker, babies. Say it like you mean it. Say Jesus! Jesus! You see, when I hear Xmas, there's, there's something that bubbles inside of me. is only relevant to a few things. X-Files, X-Football players, but not Xmas. It's Christmas. Merry Xmas. Merry Xmas. This ain't no sleigh ride, baby. We're intrigued by the linebacker's emotional, spiritual, and psychological influence. Not to mention the physical impact. Yes, Christmas is all about sharing the love. His theology, well, it's impacting. You see, God didn't show up in a rocket ship. He didn't show up in a Cadillac. He showed up as a baby. That's what Christmas is about. You dig? See, you've heard about the shepherds being meek. But the linebacker's here to give you a tweak. Yes, we certainly do know how to tackle Christmas. You see, materialism has ruined Christmas. It's not about presents under a tree. It's about God's presence with us. From all of us here at NIFSM, we hope your Christmas is a real hit. Oh. Now, folks, if you don't want the Christmas joy to end up deflated like that blow-up thing the day after Christmas, or it gets deflated, you might maintain it for a while, but it gets deflated when those bills start coming in January. Then we just need to get back here at sunrise to the true wonder of Christmas. And you can keep that great Christmas excitement all year round. Yes, Jesus came 
A child was born to us, a son was given to us. Why? Yes, of course, for the forgiveness of sin, but he's here to take us to the millennial kingdom, which means we're not going to have any more elections, no more election campaigns, no more voting, no more hanging chads, no more rigged machines, no more mud-slinging political ads, no more government oppression, no more lack, no more shortage, no more hungry, uh, no more class warfare, no more keeping with Jones. Every single one of us are going to be a billionaire. There's going to be fullness of joy, total comfort, total protection, no more sickness, no more shortness of life. And once you're headed there, you're headed there for good, nobody can take it away. You're going to be given complete soundness, total safety, total commitment, total tranquility, all time, no worry, no anxiety, no stress, no more high blood pressure, no more wars, no more torment, no more suffering, no more fighting, no more bombs, no more terrorists, no more militaries. It's all gone. Why? Because that's the true wonder of Christmas. That's how we maintain this joy every single day of the year. And I don't know about you, but I'll take that any day of the week over that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ... Uh, it has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what do we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. 
And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God. You have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.